I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome everybody to the Wise Men Say podcast, the home of the Solucionland podcast. And soon um, to be home of the Roker Report podcast, I suppose, as well. They're going to have a little bit of an input anyway into what we're going to do. And we're going to, we'll need to sort things out, but we're going to sort something out amongst ourselves and... I'm sure it'll just improve the quality, even though even better than what it already is, which is great. I know that's possible. <laughs> well, exactly. But we're all sitting here with smiles on our faces for a start. This is um, Stephen Goldsmith, and I'm joined by Gareth Barker, as usual. And I'm also joined by Richard Mason from the Northern Echo. Sitting here with smiles on our faces because we've won two games in a row. This is just uncharted territory for us. We're not really used to Used to what, what do we do now? Sort of, hey? Win three games in a row? Well, I do, I do remember before the Newcastle game... Um, you were saying something along the lines of, oh, we'll go and beat Newcastle and then we'll go and win this game and then get in Europe next season. So, you know, well, we laughed it off at the know, time, but hey, I'll tell you what, we'll yeah, get it. I think, you know, it's just one of those things I'm often I'm often right and just in, in this case, I've been proved correct again. Mm-hmm. One of the things, <laughs> I'd just like to say before we get into it too much, one of the things that's um, been heavily promoted is the the fact that we have our own studio and the sound quality and everything and we've had a bit of a nine headed day that one of the, the studio we normally use is broken so this is probably going to sound you know amateurish um if you haven't listened to any of them before and this is your first one go back and have a listen because um it might not be a fair comparison yeah. but richard to you though that to bring the level up well exactly bring, bring, bring the level of gravitas yeah <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he's bagging, pods. it's his brace to the first person to come in twice yeah so he's sort of sneak, sneaked off Back of the defender, back post, and so nodded if, in a if second. Want, if you want to continue that, I'm, I'm on a hat trick, so therefore I'm going to waste every chance that I get to hold, yeah, yeah. hold off after an hour. Yeah. I'll storm down the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, we haven't got a tunnel either. No, no studio, down. no this, tunnel. This, this is sort of, it's got almost the, the pirate radio feel, isn't it? Yeah. Just three of us crowded around one microphone, but yeah. you know, it's better than not having one, surely. So well, we're going to win. The listeners will be the judge <laughs> of that. We'll dive straight into it. Um, Everton game again loosely, as I always say every week, we don't like to go over it too much now because, you know, we, we're all thinking about the next game. The Aston Villa game is very much on the horizon now. But we're going to talk about our midfield because that's the most fascinating thing. That's that's the thing we always, you know, lamented the most. Yeah. The fact that our centre midfield is, you know, um, lacking some real presence. And he's kept the same formation, Gareth, four four one one. Um, especially against a side like Everton, who are, you know, they're notorious for packing their midfield and mm. having having strong numbers in midfield. So, how can we start to look like we can dictate games all of a sudden? Is it just is it belief or is it more than that? I think it's more than belief. Um, it's direction and uh, ability that they're, they're starting to show in games. Um, the the players that we do have that have ability are starting to show that ability in games, but. We talked about it last week again. Players being given the opportunity to show that ability, um, play, playing more compactly in the game, um, you know, gives us more opportunity to to start attacks. And uh, you know, we we did look dangerous in the first half at the weekend, um, and 
you know, I think we were worthy, worthy winners in the end. I know Everton sort of put a little bit of pressure on, but we're never under a lot of no, not really, great deal. not but, really. You know, he's he's, you know, he's done a good job up there now. The canny wasn't he in the from a tactical perspective. So, mm-hmm. what does the shape look like to you, Richard? Now, I think it it looks looks largely the same. It's a it's a four four one one, isn't it? So it's you know it's the same same personnel. The difference is it's the, the kind of the intensity really that that they're going to games and you know they're pressing a lot more. I think you're getting less time on the mid on the ball in midfield. Um, so you've got the likes of you know you've got the likes of Larson and uh, and then Die not given the midfielders a, a breath really so the opposition midfielders a breath. So that that, that obviously has reaped benefits really and you know just speeding speeding the game up a bit more. You know I was watching the, watching on Saturday it looked like they were playing in fast forward compared to previous games under O'Neill where it was all a little bit kind of lackadaisical. Everybody knows, Gareth, that Everton's dangerous side is their left-hand side. You know, Leighton Baines, Pienaar, obviously. Um, we were discussing that with our guest last week. Yeah. He was saying as much. They were playing. They were matched up against Jack Colback, who you know essentially is a is a right-footed, uh, sorry, a left-footed centre midfielder. He was playing right back. Yet he came out on top of that. So, what's happened there? Preparation again? I think you know Colback just had a. An excellent game, didn't he? Um, showed a level of determination, stuck to his task well. Um, but it wasn't just about that left-hand side. It was all over the pitch. I think we created um, a pressure on on Everton, which you know may, may, maybe meant that other attacks down that left-hand side weren't as frequent. Mm-hmm. Um, Baines did get down the down the side a few times, but you know we probably troubled Baines more than he troubled yeah. us. But what, I mean, what what I'm saying by that is, I mean. It, it, you know, I know Decanio sort of, you know, he thinks out loud sometimes and the players are saying, oh, <clears throat> we're working on this all week, we're working on all... All teams, to be fair, will work on Everton's left-hand side because mm. they know that's where the threat comes from. But especially this week, Richard, you would you would imagine that Everton might have been aware that Jack Colback was going to play there. So, you know, they would, have, they would have been fancying it, but it was just... He nullified everything that was thrown at him, didn't he? I think, yeah, yeah, he did. Um, you know, it's it's not a new thing, like kind of an inside-out... Full back, you've got Dennis Urban who played, who was a right footed left back. You know, Phil Bardsley last season was a right footed left back. Uh, full back, yeah, well, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> right footed left, left yeah. footed right, right back. And Chris, Chris Merton played on the wrong side, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Philip Lam, Phil Bardsley, same bracket. Justin Hoyt. <laughs> Justin Hoyt played a lot. Yes, season I understand what you're saying, but you know, you're talking about Philip Lam's and the like, I don't think you can compare. Yeah. You know, you're not quite com- comparing him to Philip Lam to Phil Bardsley, they've got the whole Phil. Yeah. It's the same, the same idea behind it, isn't it? It's that, you yeah. know, they drive into space and they can, they can read the game a lot differently with by you know by playing on the on the, the stronger side. And um, I think the, it was less of kind of what problems can Everton cause for Sunderland in terms of in, more than kind of what problems can Sunderland cause for Everton with the space that Baines left be, leaves behind. And I know that they they were kind of coached into using that space to to, the, to maximum advantage and kind of getting in behind the lines when when Baines attacks and using that counter attack to to get something from the game. Quilla and O'Shea, Gareth, look look almost reborn. Yeah, we, we we've been discussed. We were discussing last week. You know that the the lines a lot higher. Um, and I think Michael Graham was on last week, and he made the point that we're getting away with this. Maybe is, is the term to use because of, of how hard the midfielders work and closing, you know, mm. closing down and, and not allowing that to really be a problem where you know the the lack of speed can be exposed. But you know, we're we're saying this is more than belief and confidence. 
generally. Mm. But those are two players who you you might think you know the belief is a big thing with. They, they look because they're stronger in the tackle, they start to dominate mm. the the attackers more, and a lot of that will be down to self confidence, won't it? Yeah, I think they've had less to deal with um, due to the fact that we win more second balls now, so they're not under as much pressure. Um, but you know, I think. You know, Quayle's had a few dodgy performances this season or Shea's had a few dodgy performances this season you're going to get that um, when you're not playing with confidence but now you know, we're looking a bit we're looking a bit better in games um, and you can see that confidence growing but they are generally reliable players, experienced players and I think they are starting to mm-hmm. flourish The only thing I'm, I'm worried about um, on that aspect is that you know this this run of wins will come to an end at some point. It will. Um, and, you know, when, especially with players like O'Shea and Quayle are Richard, their confidence looks so fragile at times. That That's when, like, a lack of pace and a lack of movement does become exposed. And we've just got to get over the line so that doesn't really become a problem now, haven't we? Yeah, the, the pair of them are kind of experienced players. They've got hundreds of appearances, you know, between them. If not thousands, no, probably hundreds. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you know, John O'Shea's got Champions League experience, so you shouldn't really be be thinking that the lack of confidence will will be will be hurting them. It's more of a, more of the lack of help, really. That was remarkable under O'Neill. Was that you know the the defending in numbers that we see now at Sunderland just wasn't happening. I mean, it's like kind of the never say die stuff, you know, flinging themselves. I remember there was a, there was a, pas- a passage of play against against Newcastle. And Newcastle were really putting. It was just before half time. They were really yeah. piling the pressure on. And I think every man was behind the ball for Sunderland, flinging themselves in front of the ball, and it's, that wasn't happening under O'Neill. And getting that kind of help will, will only will only benefit the centre halves in the long run. We are going to get an Aston Villa fan, Matt Turvey, on the phone. He is he owns and edits a, a Villa blog site called Aston Villa Life, and he writes for the Express and Star, which is a, a paper based in Wolverhampton, and occasionally for the website Football Three Six Five, which I'm sure everybody is familiar with. Jumping back three weeks, um, boys, some of the fans will have been dreading this game, absolutely dreading it. You know, we people were speaking of, you know, before the Everton and Newcastle games, even when Mark, going back to when Martin O'Neill was here, people were saying, "Don't worry about." Any other games apart from Stoke at home and Norwich at home? Um, no, it's not Norwich. Sorry, Southampton at home. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if we were going into them games without picking up a single point, if we were going into this Aston Villa game and we hadn't picked up a single point, and then we lost that one, that would have been disastrous, wouldn't it? Of course, it would. Um, so <laughs> I mean, it's could can you just get your head there around that, Richard? I mean, you know. Had we had we um, not picked up these six points we've just picked up, you know, people saying almost saying like they're a welcome six points, but th- in hindsight they were probably a must six points, weren't they? Hey, they're, they're like golders really. If you see where it, would, you know, the, if they didn't get them, they'd be in the getting the bottom, they'd be in the bottom three, wouldn't they? Essentially, uh, yeah, they'd be on they'd be on thirty one points. So. Richard's uh, looking prepared with his league yeah, table, looking at the league table, looking at the league <laughs> table. <laughs> so they'd, yeah. they'd be well amongst it now, and you know, Monday would be. Would, would have a completely different feel to it because Villa would have been above them and you know yeah. it would that's be a it. completely de- that's different game. You, you feel like the role, roles have reversed <laughs> roles reversed a little bit Gareth because I mean I can remember me and you sitting here and I've having a discussion before the Chelsea game saying what would constitute a good result for Sunderland and we didn't expect to go there and win and we were just saying you know 
don't get hammered. Don't get yeah. beat five or six nil. Now a lot of Villa blogs and um, podcasts and stuff I've listened to, Villa fans are saying they're kind of in that position now where they're just thankful they didn't get you know five and six put past them at Old Trafford. So the tails have turned a little bit on that. But bearing in mind, Matt, um, how are the nerves down there? Because you seem to be pinning a lot of hopes on this game, are you? Matt? Yeah, it's a difficult yeah. situation. Yeah, it is. It is difficult because you know, at the end of the day, like you say, it, it, the nerves are jangling. Villa are at the wrong end of the table. You know, deservedly so, at a sense. I mean, you know, even though there's that sense of entitlement, they're a big club or whatever. It is difficult because the stands are are very quiet. I mean, you can hear a pin drop a lot of the time, and it, it's difficult because obviously you want the fans to support the team, but then the fans are arguing, well, if there's nothing to support, then you know, we can't just stand there cheering like a bunch of lunatics with nothing actually going on on the pitch. So it, it is very, very difficult. <laughs> yeah, sounds we, scarily familiar. Well, with that said, yeah. we, we've had sim- very similar problems at, at the stadium of late. You know, you, you could have almost been describing the stadium of light there, Matt. But you know, the confidence is lifted here now, and you know, d- does that worry you a little bit? I mean, you. The last thing you needed was what's happened at Sunderland recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we, we've been erratic. We have, and obviously we lost the game at Old Trafford. But, I mean, truth be told, I don't think anybody, and Villa fans, pundits, whoever else, you know, were, were expecting anything from it. It, it. it is going to be a challenging game, let's be honest. I think, you know, the, the, the major concern, in my opinion, from the fans' perspective, is that a couple of months ago, you know, we, we know what a Martin O'Neill march is like. It's bloody diabolical. You know, they end up, you know, whether it's fitness or whatever, the form seems to fall apart. Everyone ends up in, you know, in, in the uh, in the brown stuff. But since De Canio's come along, I think that's that's what people are going to have an issue because they're sort of thinking, well, you know, what's he going to do? Truth be told, you know, as, a, as somebody writes about football, I was quite surprised when De Canio was the guy picked by Ellis Short to come in at Sunderland. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the issue now. People are thinking to themselves, you know, how, how is he going to get on uh, as opposed to Martin O'Neill? Because I think if Martin was still being charged, I would have said, you know, Villa could have been fairly comfortable for winning the game, to be honest. Yeah, so it's changed the whole perspective of the game almost. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like yeah. I say, I mean, you know, Paolo had said when he came in that the fitness levels weren't fantastic. Again, you know, we, we, we both can speak now as ex-Martin O'Neill managed clubs. I didn't particularly think the fitness was particularly quality there. He was, you know, picking the same players every single time. He'd constantly be, oh, why aren't you substitutes, Martin? Why aren't you sort of using more players? And, yeah, like I say, it's challenging. I, I, I think I'll... I don't know. I think I think we could probably get something out of it, but it, it will be interesting to see what Canio brings. He certainly, you know, brought a bit more uh, revitalisation for something in comparison to what O'Neill was doing. Will it, will it be helpful, Matt, to get away from Villa Park in a sense? Because what we're speaking about there, the you know the nervousness from the stands transfers onto the pitch. It's something we've we've seen here, as I, as I've said. But as you said, Sunderland are a bit of a different animal now. We are certainly hoping so, anyway. But you know, a typ- typical Sunderland, uh, they'll probably go and get beat. But but say Sunderland will go and win that game, you need to be picking up points. You don't want you don't want to be going into that Wigan game with it being some sort of playoff. Um, could it help you from getting getting away from Villa Park, where the expectation levels might not be felt, you know, by the players as much? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I I really would go along with it. I think there's one thing that Villa have had it as a problem, and I don't want to sound too critical of our own fans, is that our home form has been pretty woeful. And like you say, it's that kind of negative aspect of, you know, who who starts it up? Do the do the players raise the fans up? Do the fans raise the players up? And I mean, truth be told, I've got more. Hope pinned on, say, the uh, the Norwich game. I mean, yeah, we've got to play Wigan away, but like you say, I don't really want to be going to Dave Weedon FC expecting to win a game. Although, truth be told, I've said this for months, 
it could come down to the fact that whoever wins that game uh, between you know Austin Wigan the last game of the season stays up, and whoever loses it goes down. I mean, fingers crossed. I hope it's either Stoke or or, uh, or Wigan who go down. I mean, I've got, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Sunderland on that side of things. I think you know a lot of Villa fans have been, oh, we're a Martin Hill team. We hope they go down, but um, there's no real bad feeling for me towards actual club themselves. I'll, obviously, I hope we win on, on Monday. You know, mm-hmm. all that, but you know, I'd, I'd rather Wigan go down. Truth be told. Well, we can all be friends again now because Martin O'Neill's not here, so well, we can all hold hands. Yeah, exactly. there's, a, there's, a, there's a lad over sitting on who's been warm on the bench who cost a lot of money. <laughs> um, who some yeah. That's, where it, That's where it started. That's where it all started yeah, from. Yeah. But uh, what what what's your feelings around Darren Bent? Actually, what, Matt, why why we're on that subject? We'll just go into it briefly. But because it's you know he's not going to be involved on Monday. But is he had a falling out there, or does he? You know, we know that he's renowned for falling out with 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 managers, or does he just not fit in the Paul Lambert style of player? Well, I think Darren Bent doesn't fit into any system that involves having to do anything other than score goals, does it? And, mm. I mean, truth be told, you know, Darren's obviously got a fantastic scoring record, as we know. But, I mean, the reason why he moved to Villa, the reason why he's moved around before, he came to Villa, you know, there's all this stuff about, oh, yeah, Villa are a big club, the rest of it. He got offered a pay rise. That's the reason why he left Sunderland. Now, now Darren Bent is what he is at the end of the day. People say he scores goals. I'm not a huge fan of him, truth be told. And, and Paul Lambert's a big fan of the work rate and the ethos of working for the team getting back, getting involved, you know as well as I do, obviously, you know, I think Darren played for, for Sunderland, uh, you know, before he came to us he's not known for that and I, I just, I think I think he's on his way out, the only problem that I find is that the amount of money yeah. that he's reported to be on at the, uh, at the Villa and it, it's, it's a lot of money mm-hmm. He's um, going to have to take some pay yeah, cut, isn't he? Yeah, it, it, is, it is a crazy amount of cash he's the highest paid you know, player at the club by, by a fairly long, uh, long stretch but you know, I think the only, the only problem they've got is that I don't think they're going to find someone who's going to be willing to sell him. And it's going to be almost like a Manchester City type thing where if he, he'll only leave if we end up paying off the rest of his contract. You know, So if he moves to another player, uh, another team where he might earn maybe half of his wages, Villa are going to have to pay you know, a couple of million quids to pay him off, which is a sad state of affairs. But, I mean, you know, Darren's record's fantastic. But, again, the question I always say to everybody who, who, who supports him is, if he was that good, why has he never played for a good team when they've been... You know, on, on top of things. Really. Are you saying Sunderland are a good team? Yeah, I mean, when going well, you know, it seems to be that he's always sort of middle of the road. He's not really won anything in his career. You know, people have compared his, his goal scoring rates to, you know, someone like Robin van Persie or Wayne Rooney. And goal scoring wise, that's very, very true. But his game is, is nothing more than goals. And I mean, yeah, you could argue that goals win games, but he doesn't fit into the system at Villa. You know, Ben Teki is arguably one of the finds of the season, and he's certainly not going to displace him. Mm-hmm. But does does the fact that Sunderland are a bit of an unknown quantity still under Takanio worry you much? Because all teams sort of you know the 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 preparation leading up to any game is is based you know on how the opposition play, um, you know the the tactics, the strengths, the weaknesses. But it's still pretty fresh in that aspect, so it's a bit of a blank page. Is is that something that concerns you? Yeah, it is. I mean, like I say, had Martin been in charge, she's almost, you know, know exactly what was going to be happening, where the ball's going to be played from, what formation he's going to be playing, how he's going to be set up. It's very different because, like you say, you know, Lambert will have experience of knowing what O'Neill is like as a manager. He'll have that sort of stuff. With regards to Decanio, you know, he might know him, uh, but that's about as far as it's going to go, really, isn't it? You know, he, he doesn't really have a huge amount of knowledge of what's going on. Yeah, of course, we're going to have to watch games. You know, we're not going in there completely blank. But yeah, as a fan, it's it's a concern to think to yourself, well, you know, it's not quite a new manager syndrome, but at the end of the day, 
yeah, you know, it is a concern. I rather would have had, like I mentioned before, I rather would have had Martin O'Neill in charge because that way I think we would have won the game with Di Canio. Hmm. Maybe yeah. a draw. I don't know. I, I don't think a draw is acceptable for Villa, though, by any stretch, in the same way I don't think a draw would be hugely acceptable for you guys, would it? No, well, I think I think we we take a draw now. You yeah. know that that would you know this this clear deal. You've got to remember that our our goal difference is like an extra point at this at this point as well. Home games mm-hmm. with Stoke, Gareth. Home games with Southampton. You know, we'd take yeah, a point at Villa, wouldn't we? Definitely. I think a, a point at Villa for us would be a much better result um, than than for, for than for Villa. Uh, like you say, just the games that we've got coming up, um, three games to go. You're talking how many points? Four. Five points to to turn around for Villa. I'd I'd rather be in our position. Um, but I think there'll be goals in the game uh, on Monday. Definitely think Villa's. I think what I've seen of Villa, I just think defensively they look really bad. But going forward, they look quite smart. I mean, Vyman's got eleven goals this season, hasn't he? And I think that's a brilliant effort, really, uh, considering you know we paid twelve million for Fletcher, and I'm a fan of Fletcher. Well, he scored 11 goals. I know he's been injured and, and things like that, and we weren't exactly creating a lot of chances. But you know, Ben Teke as well. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player, Ben Teke. So I think going forward, Villa, um, that'll be. I think there'll definitely be goals in the game. But I'd fancy Sunderland to score twice in the game, based on what I've seen of Aston Villa's defence. Whether we can keep Villa out though um, is is another thing. But we do look more solid. Without a doubt, I mean two clean sheets against Everton Newcastle but I've been that question Richard what I, I said to Matt you know like it's a, uh, it's a bit of an unknown quantity under the canyon you know that question I've been saying that every guest for the last three weeks yeah. it's a favourite question of mine but that will be redundant soon because the canyon you know, teams are going to start working out how he plays you know they're, they're going to be all over it now so in that respect despite the games we have you know the, the winnable games and in inverted commas um, at home it's best to get the points out of the way now, isn't it? Certainly. I mean, that that, sta- that sounds like I'm stating the obvious, but what do you know what I mean? What I, what I mean is, you know, we don't want to be getting caught out later on in the season, hitting a bad run of form at the wrong time. I always thought, and I said it before, that two more wins would have done it, and they've got that now. And I think um, a 1.2 points maybe, just to make them extra safe, and as you say, the goal difference will help them. I mean, the, the fact that the, the, the pressure's a little bit relieved... I think it does help in the performances. I mean, they can relax on the pitch a little bit more. Um, so, so I, I don't think Sunderland fans have got anything to worry about. Gareth? Well, I'm not worried. Really? Not anymore, <laughs> no. no. Um, I just think we've got enough. The games that we've got left, um, I'd rather be where we were than oh, Villa without, and, without and Wigan. Look, look, so. the, 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 but I, I suppose the point I was making was, you know, you know, the transformation of the last two weeks, we've seen what can happen in a positive aspect mm. and you know it could always swing around in a negative aspect so you, you want to try and get the points in as quickly as you can but getting on back to Aston Villa Matt Villa appears to me to you know to have had phases this season where they've, they've put little runs of results together yet they haven't they've never really been able to to pull themselves away from the bottom three bottom four it's in contrast to Sunderland who we've had a stinking season let's be honest but you know we always we always seem to have just managed to steer you know, away from that relegation zone. I think we dropped into it once in November, was it, Gareth, well, before we played Redden? But it's, Richard's it's, the league table guy. That, that, <laughs> that must be um, that must be frustrating for you, is it, Matt? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, at the end of the day, no one likes being at the wrong end of the table. But I mean, you know, the, the tale of Aston Villa isn't one that's told in just one season. 
I mean, you know, you look at the past few years that they've had at the club. I mean, Gerard Houllier was was at the club. Villa finished ninth that season, but it wasn't until game 36 that they were safe from relegation. So it was it wasn't a true representation of the situation. McLeish came in last last year. Again, Villa narrow, narrowly avoided uh, relegation. Popular Paul choice, wasn't he? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, Paul Lambert's come in now and um, the situation really is, you know, it's, it's trying to get a team to gel together very, very quickly because Villa have got no money. They're not really able to spend on stuff and he's taking massive gambles. I mean, it's, it's very, very frustrating because, I mean, although that said before the United game, we did, a, we did go on quite a nice little run in terms of, uh, you know, beating teams and having pretty good form. But yeah, it's frustrating, but I think it's finally starting to click. I think the main problem that Villa have got at the moment is that, as you touched upon when you were talking before, our defence is pretty woeful. Um, I think if we talk about the Sunderland game again, it'll come down to, in my opinion, who scores the goals first. Because if Villa concede, they're then really, really well known, sadly, for, for falling to pieces after after the goals go in. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they can put two ahead, you know, and, and get ahead, then they can have that confidence. But so, you so, know, it, it, of course, it's frustrating. So that so that said, but is is I mean, you know, generalising there and saying your defence, but is is there a specific area that you think this game may be won and lost? Well, I think I think it's going to be one in attacks, you know, on that side of things. I think you know the, the roles of you touched upon Andy Vyman, you know, Christian Benteke, Gabby Agbonlahor. You think about the fact that between the three of them, they've scored 40 goals this season. I mean, that's that's a huge amount for a team when you think they're sitting a 17th place. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. No matter whether or not they win or lose, they're not going to move from 17th place on Monday. So I think I think the game's going to be won in terms of, of how that attacking threat works. And it depends on how the midfield really threads the ball through. In terms of actually, you know, how you're going to lose the game, it's just sloppy defending. It's really, really sloppy mistakes. You know, people not moving quickly enough. If, if, if we've got opposition teams who've got fast strikers who can just turn the difference, that's where we're going to fall apart. You know, that and the fact that we, we're a very, very narrow team. If you play with any kind of wing play, then you're going to put balls in left, right and centre. I mean, you know, look at the uh, the Fulham game when they uh, conceded a goal with Fabian Delft scoring an own goal. It was coming out from out wide. So I think I think if they're going to be lost anywhere, it'd be the one area probably in defence because although Matthew Lowson scored that fantastic goal at Sofa a couple of weeks ago, Villa aren't hugely good at defending. But then that's, that's Paul Lambert all over. He wasn't particularly great at defending his... His goals conceded record at Norwich was pretty poor as well. It just happened to be that they scored more goals. Mm-hmm. Talking about uh, Matt's talking about fullbacks there, Richard, and you would you would think Adam Johnson might be licking his lips there because possibly uh, I don't know what you th- you lads think, but Adam Johnson one of his best games in the Sunderland shirt against Everton. I mean, there was yeah. one point in the in the second half 
he tore Leighton, he turned Leighton Baines inside out, Richard. The match they did didn't actually show that bit, which was, you know, <laughs> standard, but it was annoying. But he's talking about a player who, Richard, w- 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 a lot of people suggested that when De Canyon spoke of work rate needing to go up, the players needing to be fitter, you know, everybody sort of had a laugh and had a look at Adam Johnson and thought, well, you know, that's somebody who doesn't work hard, that's somebody who isn't going to fit in into the new manager's plans. But, you know, the opposite's been true, isn't it? I think the difference with with Johnson is that he's got the options now, and he he'll cut inside, and you know with a an, an inside out winger, an inverted winger, with you know the the te- tent the, the the likelihood is that they're going to turn inside and and drive towards the goal, which gives the defenders a bit more time to you know to regain composure. But now he's got options, and he's been able to play the balls that that, that you know that that are getting the chances. So I think I think it's a lot to do with the fact the way the the team are set up, it's helping helping Johnson's game tenfold really like we've discussed Gareth in recent weeks but even more so again on Saturday gone he's receiving the ball high up the field yeah. isn't he it makes it makes such a difference doesn't it, it certainly does um, and that's that's where he wants to be and that's that gives him the opportunity to express himself and I just think that going on to the Villa game I think that's that's going to be key as Johnson and, and Cessna on picking the ball up around the box in space and if we can get runners off the ball which we've seen um, you know, and Dye and Gray making good runs um, I think that's that's going to be where we could hurt Villa because like Matt was saying about the Villa defence and it's that they just they don't seem to pick up runners which is something I've noticed when I've watched them they let, just let people people get into gaps and they get overrun and then it's just you can't recover um, especially when you've got quality and if Sessegnon and Johnson can produce that quality, then I think we could be seeing, if we can get a couple of early goals, um, I think Villa will really struggle to get back into the game. But I do fancy us to score a couple of times, but like I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Villa get on the score sheet either. That's going to be the important thing, Richard, from a Sunderland attacking point of view, isn't it? How the players like Sessegnon, Johnson, McLean, who can run at players, they're, they're going to be really key out there, especially if, like like the lads are saying here, that you know, Aston Villa sometimes just can't cope with that. I think the the game the game's going to be very stretched on when it's going to be it's going to have elements of a basketball game game because they both play very similar styles both kind of push up and both play high up the pitch and I think it's going to create a lot of space and it's, it's going to be it's going to be a game for you know for for the likes of the attacking players like Sessegnon and like Vyman and, and and the other attacking players for Villa that that can you know really get a bit of green green grass in front of them and have a good goal so I think I think it's going to be an exciting one. Maybe not on the nerves, but you know, well, it's not going to do. Not, I'd yeah. rather see an interesting game. Oh, it's, 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 just, it's, just, one, it's so. just nice to go into a game, you know, comp- like you know, feeling confident for a change, isn't yeah. it? You know, we were, this would have been horrendous had we not won those last two games. Even if we just won one of those games, do you know. But what, regarding Aston Villa again, Matt, um, this 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 sort of I don't I wouldn't call it an experiment, but you know, this season Lambert has you know he's entrusted a lot of young players. And it must be quite exciting, you know, in one aspect. But it's going to go down as either genius or disastrous because it reminds me a lot of that Middlesbrough side, which had, you know, young players. We we've got two or three of them now playing for us, who went down. And then when they went down, they sort of disbanded and and they've not been back up since. But if they stay up, it's been some apprenticeship for them, and you would think they could really kick on next season. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think I think it's really, really strange it's that sort of you know split personality situation that we've got going on at the Villa. I mean, on one hand, I honestly think that the style of football that's been played this season 
is probably the best that I've and I've been I've been a season ticket holder since 1995. So you know we're going about 18 years that that has been going since I've been at the club. I mean that's that's one great positive for it. I mean you you put it touched on the, the point of saying that that line between genius and insanity is 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 very much you know a very thin line indeed. With regards to Lambert, I mean like you say experiment whatever you want to call it. I think it's more been a case that Villa have been in a hugely bad financial situation. They've got to get people off the books. They've had to sort of trim away. They couldn't afford to bring in huge wage earners. They've had to bring in who they've had to do. It is it is very, very thin lines because, like you say, the way that Borough went down, and there's numbers of different teams. People will say, oh, but they're a big club. It's that kind of uh, immunity, which, which again, you know, one of your local rivals, Newcastle, mm. when we sent them down when Alan Shearer was still in charge, it was a lot, you know, big clubs can't go down. Thanks well, that's that. nonsense. <laughs> No, but you know what I mean. That, that's yeah. nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so before we let you go, Matt, um, no. can we get a prediction from you? Uh, like I say, it all depends on who scores the, the goals first. I think uh, I'll give you two predictions. I'm not trying to you know, dodge this, but I think if Villa <laughs> can score and probably get, you know, if Villa can get one or two goals to start with, then I'll say Villa will probably win, probably maybe two, two one. Right. Maybe three one, three two. I think I think as you've touched upon, it will be a very, very, very big end to end game. There's gonna be a lot of for the neutral it's gonna be a fantastically mm-hmm. exciting game. Uh if Sunderland if Sunderland score well, you know, I've seen what's happened with Villa, it, it could very, very easily, you know, turn out to be a two one mm-hmm. loss. Um Sod's so probably end up being a draw, won't it, you know, after I've said <laughs> yeah. those. Just uh, just just a quick one as well. Um with, with the game being on, on Sky, will will that Hit the attendance, do you think at all? And, and because we've been talking about the atmosphere again, like um, previously, and that could be that could be another factor, couldn't it? Something you you, you don't necessarily want is to be on Sky on a Monday night because it, it, it chips away at the crowd and the attendance, and you need all the help you can get. You would have thought from the home crowd. No, I, I totally agree. Like, I mean, we, we've got attendance so far of sales that we're looking at thirty six thousand, which isn't which isn't it's not forty two thousand sellout. But I mean, Villa have been truth be told between ESPN and Sky have been on TV a lot recently and, and it has been a, a marked difference to who's been turning up for those games because people are thinking especially when the weather was terrible I'm not going to bother going down to Villa Park or go and watch it on Sky at the end of the day and, and like we've talked about right at the start there's that sort of aspect of you know this silent library type atmosphere where you know you know what it's like if you're, if you're an away fan you, you've got nothing to lose you're going out there you're, you're singing your heart out it's fantastic, you know. Villa, Villa probably suffer from that. But I mean, thirty-six thousand isn't a bad gate. But again, I mean, from what I understand, some of them haven't sold out the location yet, have they, for, for coming down themselves? So I, I don't uh, quite well, know. I how think I think they have. I think they have now. Yeah. I have they? Oh right. Well, so. that'll be interesting because again, like I say, I sit up in the the Doug Ellis stand, which is about two blocks down from the um, from the away fans. And yeah, it's it's been quite raucous in comparison to what you hear in the away fan side of things compared to, you know, Villa Park. So yeah, it's probably it's going to be a shame if it is on TV. But I mean, away fans will go regardless, and home fans will will hopefully turn up because I mean, bloody hell, we need them. Yep. Okay. Thanks a lot for coming on, Matt. It's um, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. <laughs> no worries, chap. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. All right. Take it easy, all. Right. So. We're just going to get straight on to the team selection. Thanks for Matt for coming on there. Craig Gardner's available, Gareth. Um, a few weeks ago, he would have been one that you know suddenly had pronounced himself into a sure starter in most mm. in the eyes of most Sunderland fans. But 
You would imagine he's going to stick with the same side, wouldn't you? Uh, I think Gardner will come in from a claim. Really? Yeah, I think Larson will go wide left and he'll put Gardner in the middle. Interesting. Um, would you would you disrupt the side that much, Richard, especially in midfield? Well, that's, that's what he did against Chelsea. He played Larson left, didn't yes, he? Yes, but we've so won two games since. I think it's 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 a tough one. He could you know he could he could change it change a win inside. I don't know if that's his his his, his mentality. I mean, when he was at Swindon, he was largely doing things out of necessity because he didn't have a large squad. He's probably got a slightly bigger squad now, but will he upset the apple cart by taking players out that have had a good game? I don't know. But against Gareth is right against against Chelsea, had Larson playing wide left, and for an hour that was it. By and large, work before McLean came on. McLean went left, and Larson came inside. And I don't think Larson's been that. <laughs> I don't think he's been that bad inside. In, in fact, I think he's been he's been excellent. I mean, even from set pieces, his set pieces have been twenty, thirty percent better than they were earlier on in the season. Mm-hmm. That's a, even I'm prepared to hold my hand up with Larson. I've been his biggest critic this season, but he he has played well. But um, I just I, think McLean against Everton didn't really. Yeah, he's very I, good off yeah, the ball, it's, it's, but it's when he got good, the ball, he was quite wasteful. It's a very good point what you're saying. You know, it's not something I've thought of. But you, you, yeah, exactly right in the in the team selection. I just you just wonder if you know the back of two big results. You know, does he does he disrupt the fluency by by changing things? I think that's the only thing that I, I would think about. I just don't one, think one thing one thing about one thing about McLean and being wasteful is uh, O'Neill's kind of not O'Neill. You see, <laughs> Decanio has said that he doesn't mind players. And he said it said it last week in the press conference. He doesn't mind players wasting the ball if it means that you know three out of ten managed to lead to a goal. He doesn't mind the player giving the ball away seven times in a, in a you know in a game. He doesn't mind that at all as long as you know if if they're a positive player, the the amount of times to put the ball in the box, they, they might they might get some fruit out of it. Mm. One well, one thing I'm happy about Gareth is. If we, I mean, Matt was saying there, Villa score first, you'd be confident. But you know, I'm, I'm not so sure. You know, because one thing you do get the impression about De Canio is that he will change things if things aren't working. He will change things. You know, he has. He seem. He appears to. We're going back to this Plan B thing again. You know, it's a bit of a cliche now, but but it's true. Martin O'Neill pretty much you know, set up one way and would change it at the last possible minute. With De Canio, you feel he's a little bit more dynamic. Again, we're, we're trying to second-guess him here almost, but you just feel that he would make a change, don't you? So whether that be you know, personnel or a change in, in positions or tactics, or you, you feel he would do something. He, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't just let the game fizzle out. I think he, he, de- he makes changes earlier in the game, uh, definitely. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see. I don't want us to go behind, but apart from Chelsea, we haven't been behind, and it's a bit of a different different thing when you go behind at Chelsea but going go be, go behind at Villa away um, in a game where we're, we're more than capable of winning it um, I think that'll be really interesting to see what he does um, mm-hmm. to see how we react as well after yeah. after a great couple of weeks say we do concede an early goal that'll be a real test of character mm-hmm. and of course you know you'd, you'd bring the question of the honeymoon period with the players um, coming into things out mm-hmm. wouldn't you that's something you would worry about um, hopefully we won't find out but you know, we've touched but on this already about you know the bad results will come eventually. It w- well, you will you will get bad results um, because you you know it's football that's what happens. But and we're not Barcelona as, yeah. as, as well. He says, not yeah. Barcelona who got <laughs> slaughtered four 0 the other night. <laughs> but um, it's it, I feel confident in it's the the clarity that you get from De Canio. I know people say well 
it's difficult sometimes to to narrow down kind of the point he's making but there's clarity in what he says is a uh, there's a you know he's got a very definite idea of the way he wants things done and he's got a very definite sort of plan and he's very you know forthright and he's you know in what he says and it fills us with confidence to think you know when you can go in at half see we were losing one nil at half time you can go in or even two nil at half time you can go into that dressing room and you feel I feel confident that he'll be able to get a response mm -hmm. in the second half it's it's almost like a natural evol evolution Richard we had Steve Bruce who you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slag him off he, you know he had, he had his strong points while at Sunderland he, I think he took us to the next level in a way under the you know you saw the, the mess that Keane had left behind anyway um, but Martin O'Neill came and, and gave the side a set way to play almost you know like Steve, Steve Bruce's kind of you know football improvision in a way you know improvising when you go out you know picking this side but not you didn't feel like the players had a direction, directives as such, when they when they went under the field. Martin O'Neill gave them that, but he didn't seem to have an alternative. Yeah. So what what you would hope is De Canio is is the next step again, and he, he seems to have a lot of ideas, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I mean, it, it seems like all the reports that have, that have come across from Swindon is that he has the players well drilled, and the the training sessions are are basically long, hard slogs on on individual kind of drills and things uh, you know the players are, are left in no doubt whatsoever what the job is when when the game kicks off i think under o'neill it wasn't it wasn't a case of you know of, of lack of direction or anything I, I think it was just um you know lack of cutting edge or lack of of intensity that we're seeing now and i think there was no fluidity in, in an o'neill side which was which was surprising i mean you even got that under bruce you got fluidity you got players you know swapping sides and you know playing between the lines it just didn't it just didn't see that under O'Neill it was a very linear game and I think the the teams that Sunderland played found that quite easy to defend against and mm. there was you know they're, they're coming up against uh, two banks of four and they weren't really posing any problem whatsoever under under De Canio it seems to be a lot different and you know the, the players are kind of encouraged to take risks and to get in between in between the lines and it seems to be so far seems to be paying off well yeah um I'm going to be the one to say it now, Gareth, because <laughs> it, it's very easy to get carried away with all this, you know, positivity. It, it, we deserve, we deserve to be positive now. We, you know, we, after the season we've had, but a defeat, let's be honest, and Villa go back on level points with us, and it's not ideal. So complacency at at, at this level will be punished, won't it? But you just get the feeling that players won't, he won't allow them to be complacent, will he? I can't, I can't see. I was. Funny, um, when talking about that cup game, the Everton game last week, and sort of saying that was kind of the demise of Martin O'Neill, and you know, can I just I know it's early days, but what you know, you can't really see the De Canio team putting in the, that kind of performance, Certainly you know, not, just not before the end of the season, you know, like, like that's what you'd hope, you know, I mean, maybe you know, like you say, getting a bit carried away, but because teams will play badly, but you know, just I can't imagine. He's, he seems to have them so well prepared, um, and the the turnaround has just been so obvious um, mm -hmm. in such a short space of time. Mm -hmm. um, and I just can't I can't see them going out there and and giving those level like you know putting that real stinker. I suppose, like, yeah. like I suppose the, the counter to that is we were playing similar under O'Neill, weren't we, before that Everton game? You know. The, the, the belief was all around the ground and all around the stadium again. You know, it's quite easy to forget that because of the way oh, it ended. Absolutely, the way it ended. But that's correct. But 
it, you know, there's. It was so. It was so bad that night in 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 the oh, game. Oh, of course and it was. Can I just? We'll see. Well, we'll see, won't we? We'll see if we put one of those performances in mm. under De Canio or the frequency, because there was quite a few of those kinds of performances in the last year. Um, will De Canio stand for that mm. in the same way? Will Will De Canio respond to those performances the same way that Martin O'Neill responded to the performances, um, both publicly and privately? And I'm I'm guessing no. Mm-hmm. That he wouldn't. I yeah. think. You would, you I think. Yeah, I'd imagine he'd come out uh, in public and and maybe have a go. Like in the time after QBR game, it would have been nice to call if he ca- if O'Neill came out and said, "Well, it it wasn't good enough," rather than kind of trying to find positives in a game where there were few. Mm-hmm. I would get the impression if you don't play well, then the canny, you you're definitely going to know where you stand, mm-hmm. um, and everybody will know. Could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but you know, I think Monday night, going back to Monday night, you know. We could probably afford to get away with a draw, and uh, I, I, you know, I feel I feel confident that we'll score um, twice in the game. So, mm. at least, Richard, this must be great for you as a journalist having a, a personality like the Canio around. You know, the, the you know the, the quotes and sound bites, the like. What, what's it been like the last few weeks as a as a journalist? I'm 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 always a big believer in you know football shouldn't provide you with entertainment if you want entertainment from from football you know you should employ a team of clowns um yeah, i've done for ages <laughs> yeah, yeah. for seasons but i must admit covering sunderland has been probably my favorite out the out the three clubs the three main clubs that we cover at the, at the northern echo out the three clubs that we cover it seems that you know sunderland are the ones the ones to watch really the 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 decanio press conference that I attended, you know, ten days ago was was basically just theatre. It was it was it was more more entertaining than work, to be honest, because he, he his passion of the game and the way he puts his point across. It's hard not to to endear yourself to it. I think the all the, the journalists in the northeast have definitely uh, definitely bought into that, definitely for sure. And it's 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 all linked, isn't it, Gareth? Because the players have bought into it as well. Now going back. To the first week when we had the discussion, you know, when the media were on De Canio's back for, you know, reasons we all know, I said to you straight away. Then it's it's you could quite imagine them taken to him as a person. He seems like he's you know he's got an infectious personality, and if the media are attacking your you know the club you play for from all angles, you're gonna to want to play for that mm. manager even more, aren't you? And, and, and it, I'm not saying that that's a factor, but it's quite possible that it is. Well, there might have been an element of the siege mentality about it. Um, Certainly with the fans as well, I think. Yeah, you just don't know, do you? But the results are what matters, and they've, you know, the results speak for themselves. The last few weeks, decent performance against Chelsea, then two very, very good performances in two, as we touched on at the start of the program, bogey sides and six points. And uh, as I said, win against Newcastle, win against Everton. Europe next season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But why, you know, why not? Not get carried away. Why not? Let's not get carried away. But it'll be the it'll be the league title after that. Um, <laughs> we, some, we can, some of the fans can only dream of that, though, can't they? Yeah, we can only dream. Yeah. <laughs> we can yeah. only dream, Mr. Pardew. Yeah. European yeah. nights. Which one would you rather win, Alan? <laughs> the game on Thursday or the game on Sunday or well, neither? We are gonna um, wrap things up now. It's been a bit shorter than normal just because of the the studio problems. So again, to any first time. Listeners, look, and only apologise that the sound quality might not be great, and it's it's disrupted fluency a little bit. But 
I'm sure it's okay. We soldiered on. Well, yeah, yeah, of course we did. Got of course we did. We, we, we used the motivation of Paolo de Canion. We got there in the end. Yeah. But do come along next week and things, normal service should definitely be resumed. I'm going to do a prediction. Yeah, I'm just going to say it. Give me a chance. Before we go, we'll get a prediction of everybody. So, Gareth Barker. 3-1 to Sunderland. And Richard Mason. 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to go for 1-1, one, one, I think. 1-1. One, one. I think it's good. Yeah, and I think we'd all be happy with that. Um, and... Shall we let Richard do a plug for his running and fundraising? Yes, we certainly will. This, do I don't know if people's aware, but the Sunday before the Aston Villa game, we have the Marathon of the North and the Half Marathon of the North and the, the 10k run that's been organised by Steve Crang, amongst other people, and Richard is doing the Half Marathon, so we'll let him tell you a little bit more about it. I'm d- yeah, I'm doing I'm doing the Half Marathon of, of the North. Um, it's all for, for charity. Uh, for charity... I'm doing three half marathons in 2013 as well as three 10Ks and various other charity runs as well um, just because I thought it would be a fun idea <laughs> I, I hit 30 this year and I think you know I'm probably not going to be able to do things like this again so why not give it a go um, so this is the first event of the, of the year starting with a half marathon then there's a 10K next month and lots more and then there's a Great North Run and I'm doing a Red Car half marathon towards the end of the year um, by which time I'll be a husk, a former, a former person, probably just a bag of bones, really. But um, it, it's all for the Finley Cooper Fund, who's that Colin Cooper uh, launched in in memory of his son, who sadly died when he was at Middlesbrough. Um, and I know I know Sunderland fans will will relate with Colin Cooper because obviously he had a loan spell at the Stadium of Light. And I do remember the game after his son died, and Sunderland fans sung, "There's only one Colin Cooper." And he's cited that as quite a quite a big deal. Um, so I'm doing that 50% for them and also 50% for the Alzheimer's Society. Um, and yeah, any anyone interested in donating can either look on my Twitter page because I seem to be plugging the life out of it at the moment, or hit the hashtag Richard Runs 2013 and all the info is under there. There you go. So if you are sponsoring, yeah, if you aren't sponsoring anybody for the marathon of the north this year, then there's your details. Half marathon of the north. He what you know? He, he bottled the he bottled the full one. He's doing the half one. Um, more than I'm doing. Shall we give out our Twitter? We've never given out our Twitter address. It's like a Twitter paradox because if people have heard of us through Twitter, then they already know us on. Okay, Twitter. Gareth, I'll let you do that. Then. You do, you go ahead. Go let's on. do that. You can follow the podcast at. Wise Men Say 1973 or you can also add Salu Sunderland which is at Salu Sunderland at Roker Report at Goldies underscore Logic at Gareth Barker TDE and at Mason Echo if you want to uh, follow Richard which you, you probably already do so if you're not listening to this via Twitter already get on Twitter and you'll hear hilarious banter throughout the week probably from there you go. So, so, so you've eighty percent of the show's been botched, um, <laughs> botched sort of recordings talking about football with, and then the last ten minutes has been plugging. There you go, yeah. plugging everything we possibly can. So, yeah, yeah, from Rollins. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, normal yeah. service will be resumed next week, as I've said. So, thanks for listening. All over and out. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 